Grand Moth Tarkin, I am honored by your visit. Welcome to Grand Moth Talk, a delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic, brought to you lovingly and weekly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of your hosts, Riley, Jake, That's me. Isaac, Saturdays are for the boys, and Jasmine, Nope, she's not here. She had uh, to leave and she sit had to on leave. a dog. It's, she had to leave and sit on a dog. She rode out on a dog. <laughs> It was a tiny little dog, too. It looked so funny. It was a, yeah, it it's was a, a teacup poodle. Yep. Teacup chihuahua. Uh, why am I hosting? I don't know what we're doing. I don't know. What we're doing, we're you know, doing whatever. a little bit ago, Hang we had out. an episode called Friends Just Talking. We did. Because we just wanted to talk as friends, and we but we can't talk if we're not recording, because our friendship is broken and fractured. It doesn't make any sense anymore. So we figured, you know what? And it got to Star Wars eventually. We had a cool Star Wars discussion about some deep stuff. So we're going to start just vamping as bros. And you know what? We can say bros because Jasmine isn't here. She's we typically here. use the neutral pals. Yep. <laughs> but we're not doing that anymore. We're not doing it. Good. I've, I've, been, I've been sitting on this one. I wanted to get your guys' take on this. I, I feel like um we, we haven't talked music enough on this show. We all like music. We do and like music. My yeah, we do. question... I feel like largely well-regarded bands will have like a single that they're known for, like outside of one hit wonders, obviously a band that had a established career, they'll have a very popular song and fans of that band will be like, yeah, that's not really my favorite song from like them. The like they have a, like teenage wasteland. Yeah. So my question was, are there bands that we really like and their best song is like one of your favorites or you consider it one of their best their hit oh you know what um so coldplay i like the band coldplay quite a bit uh, seems on brand which yeah i guess <laughs> so even though i'm a huge like radiohead's my favorite band of all time so most most like radiohead fans don't like coldplay but i love I've coldplay. often wondered like i radiohead coldplay you two are kind of a holy trinity of boring white guy you'd think everyone would be cool with all three <laughs> yep i'll throw in some sufjan stevens and Valentine bastion and shins in there all these things i love do make a car trip with me. You'll listen to the whitest music in the history of the world. That was the ambient of sentences. <laughs> Speed of sound is like legitimately maybe my favorite Coldplay song. I, I don't want to throw down the I liked it before it was cool thing, but no, I did like that song before it was a single and play on the But radio I think time. with with Isaac's example, your favorite would have to be either Clocks or Yellow with Coldplay. Oh, I would say that Speed of Sound and Viva La Vida, like their singles are all so hugely popular. I don't I think, think anything's as the... big as Yellow or Clocks though. I think I that's like I'm thinking about being their a dentist one. office and I feel like well, the... Speed of Sound is just as likely as song. <laughs> now you're going the down the rabbit hole of like people who are like, well Clocks and Speed of Sound are just the same song in different years. I don't like that take. Me either. I like Speed of I Sound. I understand what people are saying, but Speed of Sound has a like such a stronger chorus oh my god i just had a moment where i realized there were three freaking white 20 something year olds talking about speed of sound on a podcast i want to kill myself okay the, the singularity but is going to make this room explode that's the only real take like that that i have. um you know what might work is uh, like sunday bloody sunday is legitimately okay, one of the best you u2 songs there you go that's or the a- streets have no name mm-hmm. yeah because what made me think of this like kind of was i don't know just I I heard the middle by Jimmy Eat World somewhere, and I'm like, this song sucks. But I like Jimmy Eat World, but that song just like makes me angry. I've never heard that take before ever. That's anybody like Jimmy Eat World or the middle. Oh 
actually, they're both fine. If you like, they're they're nice for what they if do. If you like that one song they did, they have more of them. Yeah, but they're not as middly as the middle. I went through a real ska phase. I really liked ska for Ooh. a while, but that's not cool to like anymore. This it show, gets that reaction. This show is exactly like I thought it would be when we started it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I never did like ska terribly much. I went through a big ska phase. It started with No Doubt, and then that led me into harder ska. Is No Doubt considered ska? Early stuff, definitely. Well, then, yes, okay, they changed, I do like ska then, because I love Kind of like how Red Hot Chili Peppers are funk rock because they were that when people didn't listen to them yet. Yeah. That's, that's a good question, though. Let's all think of a good question to ask the group <laughs> that we won't actually answer because I didn't pick one. Oh I yeah, pick I one. I, I don't know if I can think of something. What's like a popular band? Well, the Beatles. The but Beatles. You cannot pick one most so, famous Beatles. They song literally ever. had an album of number one hits, and it was like twenty songs long. So it's like mm-hmm. they all their songs are hits. I, I do of, legitimately love the Beatles, and I've been listening to them constantly recently. I was thinking about them on the way here, That's and the I was thinking like, thing, but you think like. First thing you like, come together. Oh no, maybe let it be. Or no, I want to hold your hand because you also have like different iterations of the Beatles to pick from too. So right, really they, t- can I? They were like five different bands in seven years. Can I plug uh, like just the most wholesome, wonderful podcast that exists, which is it's called Screw It. We're just going to talk about the Beatles, <laughs> and it's all UCB improvisers. It's hosted by Will Hines, who's hilarious. You've heard him on like Comedy Bang Bang and Improv for Humans, but he just hosts a podcast all about the Beatles, and it's just wonderful. And they all know a lot about them, so it's. It's not. Sometimes it literally is just them saying that the song is great, but it's still the best. It's a great. I'm show. glad Jasmine's not here for this. She doesn't like the Beatles. You know what? I am glad she's not here. For this. Yeah, I. She would have brought this. Can down. I tell you something? That everybody is a person who didn't like the Beatles at some point. Because like, true. if you like, I was that person. Like, I'm not gonna listen to Beatles. I'm gonna mm-hmm. listen to cool bands that are dark, like Animal Collective. <laughs> and then, which you realize is not even that. Great sentence. Yep. Yep. That's the kind like, of that's the kind of high schooler I was. You're like, wait a minute, animals. Beatles are animals. I love them. Collective. Is the Beatles it, were a collective of people. Was that the iTunes algorithm back in the, in the aughts? <laughs> yes. Yeah. If you search for anything, the Beatles would come up. No, like in 2009, they started releasing like their re-releases. And I was like, ah, I'll buy one of these and listen to it. And it was Revolver. And I was like, this is the greatest album I've ever heard. I can't believe I never listened to this before. I'm going to look through my music here and see. If you I also have like a wood grain iPhone case. I hate all of us right now. Yeah, I'm pretty awful. God, I hope we release this. It's funny, Tomorrow. like, it's like we, it, I feel like a lot of people find like one of the old bands that really clicks with them, and it usually is the Beatles. For me, though, like I, I love the Beatles, but for me, Zeppelin was that band that I found when I was like a teenager. Man, this is really good stuff. Like, it turns out the old music is good, and so I, that's they was a great feeling. Yeah, and so they were the first band where I for I could honestly say that i appreciated old music for the first time it's a good feeling too there, there's something i got nothing else. oh you stopped I, okay. I really i really like bob dylan i like his obscure stuff yeah but yeah. i also think uh like a rolling stone is one of the greatest songs ever made and that's like one of his that's most a popular good call, ones yeah so that i guess that's my choice i love bob dylan and i love one of his most popular songs i hate to, this is a bad time to be a kanye west fan but i love <laughs> kanye west yeah. and but I would also say that like Gold Digger is legitimately one of his best songs that I love to listen to. Mm. I haven't listened to his new one yet though. It's a little, it's tough to be it like, yeah. Tough. I'm super into the idea of listening to Kanye. Thankfully, West right I was now. never, I was never a huge Kanye fan, so I don't I have, have all to, of his albums. I don't have to worry about this. Listen to new all album. Time I think that feels weird. I, my original question, I think that kind of stems from sometimes. Usually, a lead single might not be the densest, like song on your album. 
because you, you think about i don't know if you're into my chemical romance and you like yeah i'm not okay i promise or <laughs> you have like something from the black parade which is like supposed to be a concept album but jesus then you have... christ i love the black parade unapologetically i love that album so <laughs> jake good. do you not like anything that resembles emo because the, the, all the songs you are, are so right about okay that. oh man anything in that is genre so is tough although is the killers considered emo because I he just, does wear a lot of eye makeup. I just added like a couple of killers albums like to my iPod. I don't I really like, think they're emo, but he does wear a lot of eye. Makeup. I think that they embodied that style a little. bit. I think they kind of came more from the the we really like Joy Division and we want you to know about it. <laughs> yeah, that's a good call. Which yeah. is I the emo kind of came from more of there was these bands in like the nineties. Which everyone talks about how everyone knows these bands, but they list five of them. I have no idea who they are. And there's lots of like, man, you remember like scissors and boxes? Like, yeah. You know, one of the f- like Pitchfork is uh, I, I used to visit that site all the time when I was a teenager. And that's how I discovered all my new music. It's the hackiest, most hipsteriest website of all time. Yes. And they're so up their own butts. And like their lead writer, I can't remember who it is, like. Fred Armisen played him on an episode of Portlandia. I don't remember his name, but he wrote this blog article about how he went to like metal forums or something and and realized for the first time that there are other spheres of music where people talk about music and love it in the same way that he does about like indie rock. And I was like, you literally as a freaking 45 year old man just just discovered that other people can have different opinions and feel as passionately about it as you do. And I remember, and he talked and it was like this, just you could tell it it was he was like i don't know like he was so into himself and being like i am crushing it right now this is such a good artfully written article it's amazing and it was the most basic opinion anyone could possibly have what is the screenwriter that i hate max landis max landis i was gonna say he did this with carly ray jepsen he like made oh, a, oh, i remember made, you were really into that he, he made a that. website about carly ray jepsen and how he was like the first one it's like he was the first one to ever discover pop music. And Sounds themes... like he was the first pervert to admit that he liked Car- Carly Rae Jepsen. Yeah, but like, and I, Carly Rae Jepsen is totally fine. I like, I like her music. It's sure, it's fine pop music. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. like, he, it was like the first time he'd ever heard of pop music and the concepts and themes that modern pop music uses. And he was just That's like, this best. song is actually about a boyfriend she had when she was sixteen. <laughs> and when I discovered that. It blew my mind. I'm like, yeah, Max Landis. Everyone knows this. This is what like these songs are about. <laughs> That's the funniest. Thing. It's that. I, I hope that website's still up. You should go find it. Oh, sure. Let's there. look at it. Let's look at I'm it. Sure Max it's Landis, it's Carly like, Rae Jepsen. He's like reading a uh, writing a manifesto on like the discovering pop music. It's insane. Max Landis. Surprisingly, the first three things that come up are Twitter, Instagram, and Reddit. Yeah. Not the first three things I would have thought of. <laughs> Carly Ray Jepsen essay. That's the first thing that pops up. A scar no one else can see. Oh my god. Let's read it live on air. <laughs> this is where this episode went. <laughs> what is this website? <laughs> I told you. This is amazing. Oh my god. This is But okay. this is exactly someone who has just discovered there this are is astounding. people outside of his own life. So I was really into like the like the video game uh like deep discussion like intellectual blogger sphere for a while. And I, I stumbled across this dude I yeah, like when I was like nineteen years old and I stumbled across this dude who uh was kind of prominent for a while and he wrote this article 
that was the most basic opinion everybody in the world had, which is that Zelda's a little too formulaic these days, like when Skyward Sword came out. In his, uh, That's and the Jar Jar is bad of Star Wars. Basically, yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, everyone agrees that this is great, but it's a little too formulaic. But, <laughs> and it, I remember, I've like never forgotten his description of his website, which was, hello, you've stumbled upon a treasure trove of wisdom and insight into gaming. And I remember just thinking, this is how a guy introduces the that's so bad. That's my favorite. But what... And, and the reason why I was reminded of that is that is this intro to Max Landis's website on Carter M. Jepsen. It's a warning from the future is what it says. Welcome to the lost, alone, and searching. Welcome to climbers of trees, the stealers of bikes, the girl in the corner, the forgotten friends, the little black holes. Welcome to the rejected, the unwanted, the despairing. Smell you smell is a blossom tree. Good sentence. The chill smell you smell. feel is a cold breeze smell. as you walk the streets alone at night. The emotion you feel is longing. The voice you hear is Carly Rae Jensen. <laughs> you might be reading this as a joke. He, you know what? He said a warning from the future. Uh, yep. Out of vague curiosity, you might have thought the person who claimed to have discovered a massive secret pattern in a pop star's music was doing it ironically. Or maybe just lost on a long hike up their own ass. Welcome to you two, the cynics and the disinvested. Come in and find out. But first, a warning. And he wrote something in Italian, which stands for abandon all hope ye who enter here. This is I can it's, it's insane. Believe you this. can't just it's like it's, calling yourself out is not a get out of jail free card. Like you can't it's say lampshading. Like you can't say like uh yeah, I realize that I've killed people. Like, it's totally fine. You still killed people. Like, you can't just, like, calling yourself out. Murder's wrong, it. but hey, we all do it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And yes, I am comparing Max Landis' blog about Carly Rae Jepsen to murder. It murdered, my, I want to it murdered note, my innocence. I, here's what I want to note, is that he there is an entire page-long preface which goes on for longer than anything ever should, and it ends with bold in a font that is three times larger than the other font, Carly Rae Jepsen is in hell. <laughs> I, this is the most amazing you, thing I've you ever You gotta read said. through that website, man. It goes, it's crazy. Continue it's crazy. if you dare is the link that leads to the next page. Who does he think he is? Yeah. He's, He's got the a Squarespace only one who's ever account discovered. and heard one pop song and thought he was Jesus. Yeah. Seriously. It's insane. <laughs> I love that you told me about this. <laughs> you know what? What's, what's your... Uh, because I, I, I mentioned that about, like, that really annoying uh, intro to a website that I heard. Like, what's an annoying thing that you've heard somebody said that's, like, stuck with you for a long time? You know what I mean? Like, hi, I'm Jacob Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that we're honest in the show. <laughs> no, like, do you have anything uh... that, like, maybe, like, a kid said to you in school or, like, just some obnoxious comment that somebody made? Someone, when I was younger, someone said, I can't remember who it was, but someone said to me, I don't love you. I've never loved you. You're not, you're no son of mine and you'll never amount to anything. I can't remember who said that, <laughs> but it's really just stuck with you me. You don't remember who said that? No, I don't know. I have two guesses, <laughs> but I won't say them here. No, that's not real. My parents are great and supportive. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't yeah, know. So I, I know what you mean and I definitely have them. I'm trying to rack my brain for 
the instances. Do you have one, Jake? Did this, you ask Well, this? I do, but I don't want to talk more because I've talked a bunch. I say that I have a bad memory, and it's not a bit. Like, I, I honestly cannot remember anything, and things don't stick with me, not because I'm, like, really good at letting things go, and I just don't let things <laughs> bother me, but it's just because I don't, I honestly don't remember. <laughs> things don't stick with me. I, I have a thing, if no one's going to comment. It's, and it involves Pitchfork, mm-hmm. and the theme of music. This is my least favorite review that I've ever read of anything. Uh, and I don't know why. And it came out so long ago. But I've never forgotten it. It sticks with me. And I think about it sometimes and get mad about how much I hate it. Which is the Pitchfork review of the Black Keys album, El Camino. Mm. I don't care that much for the Black Keys. I think they're fine. I, mm-hmm. I saw them in concert and they were great. Yeah, they're totally fine. Um, in this review is the douchiest, most... <laughs> black keys am i right like what (laughs) like uh, they're popular but we're talking about them on our website what it's just the most i don't know like how to describe i'm gonna read you the opening paragraph and you'll know exactly what i'm talking about it behooves us to take 90 seconds here and figure out how this band got so popular and enduring the black keys were born in the teeth of early aughts rock is back movement we're in a cadre of uncouth garagey bands, all named the Blanks, saved us from the terrorists and or the Backstreet Boys. Oh, Eventual God. result, deserved ignominy, the Vines, undeserved ignominy, the Hives, bewildered near implosion, the Strokes, and bewildered total implosion, the White Stripes. The years have not been kind. I've always remembered- Is he saying that the White Stripes are at bad, actually? Is that what he's saying there? Who knows? And I remember there's a phrase. I can't wait to find it. He used the phrase. I, I want to be able to find it. He used the phrase Mario Galaxy Spaghetti Western in a sentence. <laughs> and uh, it was like, guys, I'm cool and I play video games. And that, if you've ever heard like a black key song that's the worst possible way to describe anything they've ever done yeah that doesn't make any sense really i guess if i'm i'll try my best to answer your question and i'll just stay on pitchfork i think <laughs> I've, I've mentioned this before somewhere but this is the last thing i ever read on pitchfork and it was their review of el pintor by interpol and i was just curious like what they thought about it and so i clicked on it and i don't think there was it got it was at that point where Pitchfork wasn't rating albums anymore. They were just like doing that thing where like they where just they said do words. a retrospective of a band and then in one you're, paragraph are like, and this album's fine. You're saying my words now. Yes, that's exactly mm-hmm. what happened. Like they yep. they told me the history of Interpol with a thesaurus in their hand. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a review. It was just telling us like we heard of Interpol. Okay. Danger Mouse figured it out for one thing. He unnecessarily arted up 2008's Attack and Release, plus the hit-off Brothers, and his Angelic Choir Space Glockenspiel Super Mario Galaxy Fantasias still distract. Everything's like Spaghetti Western with this guy. Is it a Space Glockenspiel Super Mario Galaxy Fantasia, or is it a Spaghetti Western? Because those are different things. Did that make you want to kill someone? Because all did of me. all of Pitchfork is terrible. I don't like Pitchfork. This is the f- like, if you want to know why Pitchfork is the worst thing in the world, it's this El Camino review. I remember reading this and thinking, oh, seven out of ten. That's probably what I would give this album. And then reading it and thinking, I hate this more than anything I've ever seen in the entire world. Um, what 
we got to think of like fun things to talk about. What's uh your worst opinion on something? <laughs> on pop culture, like what's the thing that you like? Thing that I like that, that no one else likes is considered to be around, hacky or yeah or, or the other way. Ooh, what thing don't I like? Or what is everybody likes? like that you yeah. don't get? Oh, I'm sure there's something. There must be something. Can it I answer for be. Jasmine? It's the Beatles. <laughs> <laughs> She's here in spirit right now. Yeah. Isaac, uh, what do you got? We'll circle back around. Yeah, around. The first thing that came thinking. to my head, this isn't that hot of a take, but I, I think it's another one of those things like which side of the aisle do you fall on? I happen to be someone who loves like Titanic, like the whole movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do too. I remember like they released the movie in 3D mm-hmm. and I saw it. And by the end of the movie I was like crying and I had like a profound experience. I was like, this is really yeah, great. Because it, it I'd seemed... seen it many times before then, but it was still wonderful. Yeah, that's one theaters. of the, another one of those movies where I think people's like gut reaction to a big budget movie that has a love story and it's like blah, love story. Can you give me some more iceberg? But then in a... Star Wars, can we have more love stories? <laughs> this actually but... reminded me of my choice. Oh yeah, okay. I think James Cameron sucks. I hate Do you really? him. I don't like him. I I I actually have the person seen or the movies. Both. I haven't seen Titanic. What? All that's the way through. I've seen parts oh, of Titanic. I've not watched. I've not sat down and watched all of Titanic. That's huh. surprising to me. I don't care about the Terminator movies. I don't think they're that I good. I don't either. Uh, Alien. Have you seen The Abyss? I like The Abyss. That's the my Abyss favorite. Is all right. I think Sphere is better. It, Did he it, direct Sphere? No, but as, as far as like genres of space aliens underneath the water. Oh, can I tell you, growing up, Sphere, Sphere was better. my favorite book. Yeah. So oh, Abyss I is fine. I did a book report on Sphere. Yeah. I did too. I, Michael Crichton, I probably read it like four times when I was in middle school. So I think The Abyss is a worse version of Sphere. Um, I really don't like Avatar. I think that movie sucks. I don't think it sucks. I think it's average, though. A- average Tar. Average start. Can we I, talk about how I, the movie made four? Can you like even? It's insane. Four, Wait, four billion, billion dollars. It's insane. It made no, four billion not. worldwide. It, it's, that just shows you how. Uh, doesn't matter if a movie's good. I think also a big a, a big footnote that should be behi- beside Avatar is that you almost couldn't watch Avatar without paying twenty five dollars to watch it in three D. <laughs> so like where I can go see Solo for twelve dollars at my theater, I would have yeah. had to pay twice that to watch Avatar. I always thought it was weird that Avatar was always more about like you'll never believe what we've done with special effects, more so like, oh yeah, here's a movie too. Like, yeah, that's, that's exactly he, that's really he's true. Like, yeah. He takes all of the aspects of George Lucas that I don't love and then he's just a worse person who I don't like even like I, I I like George Lucas as a person. It's just sometimes he was maybe too interested in the technical aspects of what he was doing. And that's all of James Cameron's career is he's just interested. I just saw I got a, an ad on on Twitter, a promoted ad with him talking about it was just an advertisement for like a new Sony show camera. He's doing. No, it's for a new Sony camera oh. that he's filming the new Avatar movies with. And it was just like a minute and a half long video about how these new cameras are going to make Pandora the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in a movie theater. And I'm just like, I don't care. Just don't sell me a, a crappy movie. Did anybody learn just because anything it looks from good. Peter Jackson shilling 48 frames per second? A- apparently not. But it's just like James Cameron is one of those things where I think his movies are subpar. Besides, I, I can't speak on Titanic. But I've heard Titanic. I would say is Titanic good. is a legitimately incredible film. But I don't and like the Terminator movies. Directed. The Abyss is okay. I don't like Avatar. What else has he even done? 
documentaries or whatever alien aliens with a dollar sign he like <laughs> G, no G, that's that's the pitch the kesha of alien movies the uh the word like the rumor mill is that when he went in to pitch aliens alien three he went in on the chalkboard in the pitch meeting he wrote alien he wrote an s aliens and then he made the s into a dollar sign i hope that's true i know that's I like that's that's, true. that's the rumor is that that's do, the pitch he made know, for aliens do you know what and james, aliens isn't as good as alien so there you go no of course not it, you know what james cameron is is I, I remember growing up uh rolling stone would hit a point where a band would be big enough where even though they were clearly kind of not that great they were popular enough that the that the magazine had to acknowledge them so you'd get like lady antebellum on the cover of rolling stone yeah. and it's like <laughs> i mean i guess they're really big and winning awards but they're not good and yeah. james cameron's like he's directed all these movies made billions of dollars you have to maybe he's one of the best directors of all time it's like no nah, i don't actually. which he always there was a long stretch where he would only win his movies would only win technical awards which i yeah. think is very telling about his movies it's uh, yeah go ahead uh, it's just really interesting that he has the two highest well, no, for, either way, two of the three to five highest grossing movies ever. I, and they seem like kind of right place, right time sort of mm-hmm. movies where Titanic was a subject that people are really interested in. And Leonardo was, DiCaprio in his absolute prime, really. Yeah. And it was like the, the whole like iceberg sequence was sold as like the money thing. And that's like all anyone talked about during that time period. Then Avatar was like, this is the biggest technological achievement ever. Like, this is Star Wars. <laughs> and James Cameron was the one saying these things. Yeah. I mean, that and was... also on top of all this, he just sucks as a human being. Well, that's true. So, and you know, what's, it, what's funny is like, um, uh, like, oh, geez, I forgot my thought. <laughs> oh, I, I know what I was going to say. James Cameron, there, there were a few times before Star Wars was bought by Disney and they started making new movies where I thought, this is like the new Star Wars. And it was Avatar, and it was the first Hunger Games movie that came out. And I know that was weird, but I like, saw the Hunger Games, yeah. and it, it was... And I read the books, and I thought they were pretty good, and and so all my like friends wanted to go see it at midnight when it first came out. I was like, okay. And everybody was dressed up, and there was a line at the door, and it was packed, and I was like, oh my god, this is like really important. And then it was, I saw the movie, and it was really good. And I was like, this is like the new Star Wars. But then Star Wars came out, and I was like, oh no. <laughs> it, Star Wars is still Star Wars. I'm willing to bet that you could go back every year since 1977 and find an article about a movie that said this is the new star wars i yep. honestly think you could do that still happens now last year was valerian in the city of a thousand planets i heard that one oh, i heard people saying this is the new star wars Turns out it was like the new suicide squad nobody it, saw that movie yeah it, so it's just like i bet that's happened every single year there won't be another beatles and there won't be another star wars yeah it's uh, it's true yeah, because everything else beyond that is just trying to catch lightning and bottle. Because uh, you think about that for like also the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's not something they were trying to do. They made Iron Man kind of because they had to. They're like, let's do this. I didn't. I don't know if they made. Yeah, they were trying to do it, but they were also every step of the way like this probably isn't going to work. And they but didn't make Iron Man with Infinity War in mind. I was going like, to say, but the, no. But they were like, we, hopefully this turns into a thing. Yeah, the success wasn't like kind of like prophesied at the beginning like they didn't know there's no no telling what it was going to become at the time because like it's well documented because i saw iron man when it came out like oh that's interesting like i went to see it probably because i'm like this is a superhero movie i don't know anything about iron man i thought it was a black sabbath song (laughs) because sorry no i'm done because at that time for every x-men 
you had a Catwoman. Like, yeah, exactly. Like superhero movies could be a success, but also they were not a guaranteed success like they are now. I mean, that movie, I know it's tired to talk about probably, but like that completely changed the trajectory of superhero movies. And I, I think it's why something like it, that, like Iron Man is still kind of the reason why Warner Brothers is so behind. Like the Dark Knight came out the same way that Iron Man did. Yeah. And... Iron Man in Marvel movies ended up being an antidote to like, yeah, there's all these serious superhero movies coming out, but like, we're like providing like fun mm-hmm. superhero movies. And so like Man of Steel, when like they, they started talking about doing that movie when the Dark Knight movies were still being made and they were trying to get Christopher Nolan to do it and yeah. he didn't want to do it. And he's like, you know, Zack Snyder should do it. He did that Watchmen movie, which also came out in 2008, mm. the year that the Dark Knight did. Yeah. And they're like, this kind of like, more serious grounded take on superheroes is definitely going to be the thing. That's what everybody said we should have done when Superman Returns came out. So let's do it now. And then it came out too late. And everyone's like, no, stop doing that. Like, no, we're going to do it again. Like, no, stop doing the dark superhero thing. Yeah. And I, I like, but everybody keeps trying to do the cinematic universe and it, you can't possibly replicate that. Like people don't like Marvel movies because it's the cinematic universe because the movies you know it's a brand that's going to deliver quality. It's like Star Wars. Like, mm-hmm. you know, if you see a new Star Wars movie, you know it's going to be entertaining and fun. You see a Marvel movie, you know it's going to be like, I know I'm in. I'm going to spend $15 to see this movie in IMAX, but it's going to be worth my money. I think that's one of the things that, like, made me happy about new Star Wars because it does, new Star Wars has that element of they're trying to create magic, and that usually is where you end up failing is, like, with a lot of the DC stuff or whatever, Whenever a studio or goes the, in, or the Universal Monster, yeah, <laughs> yeah. when you go in, Dark like universe, it's, it, yeah. it almost always ends up becoming trying to make fetch a thing where it just doesn't happen. <laughs> and the problem with like, I think James Cameron like has Titanic and Avatar under his belt, and that's given him, him possibly like the false thought that he has the ability to create magic on screen, and he has the ego that kind of like will allow him to think that sort of thing. And you get a movie like. Jurassic World wasn't successful because Colin Trevorrow was behind the camera, and it's also like in the top five, top ten of highest grossing right. movies, and so that gets into like disproportionately looking at box office to gauge the success and the long-term impact of a movie, because Avatar is going to be number one probably forever, and no one talks about it outside of when you mention what's the highest grossing movie ever. <laughs> Can I talk about what my least favorite thing ever to happen in the history of the world is, which is not true, but people talking about box office... <laughs> As if it means oh, anything, and anyone knows what they're talking about, and legitimately arguing about it as a thing. You know what makes me happy? What is that? I don't think. Obviously, Disney cares about the box office, but their response to the Last Jedi and with giving Ryan Johnson more stuff in the future, yeah, and seeming to support their creators until they fire them. Um, <laughs> but like that makes me happy that they are more worried about making critically well-received movies yeah. than commercially well-received. It's very interesting. There will be a limit where, and maybe Solo is going to be the start of that decline where they care more about commercially successful ones than critically successful ones. I don't know, but... The fact that they own Marvel means that they're they always going money to, to play okay. with. Yeah. And they are still Disney. Like, if they make a yeah. you know new... And they own Pixar... I was thinking right. recently, like, 
because Warner Brothers is such a trash fire. Like, could they buy DC? Like, is Disney they really at some could, point? Man. That's people are worried about DC. Disney owning everything. And I mean, like, is that legal for that to happen? Like, at what point do you have a monopoly where you own every single tentpole film that can possibly I come would. out? But at the same time, I'd be totally fine if Disney bought DC. I'd be like, oh, good. The movies are going to be good now, and everyone's going to like them. I was actually thinking about that on the way here, and there's almost... You were thinking about a lot on the way here today. What kind of drive did you have? An introspective one. (laughs) Um, But I I was thinking about kind of where, like, it's almost two sides of the same coin where you're talking about that, how it seems Lucasfilm is concerned with making critical critical successes but on the other side of that coin it, it could look like they're just bad at reading the room where you get the most divisive star wars movie ever and you reward that director with three more movies yeah and like you the the solo production is well documented and they insisted on getting this out and rushing it out there and it made that much at the box office and so like it's it's still weird how it's it's pretty apparent that the strategy for lucasfilm is still one of trial and error. And you would you always assume that, I guess, the more money someone makes and the higher position of power they have, the more nuanced that their plan going like long-term is. But I think that it's possible, and it is the case, that a company as big and as, as important as Lucasfilm has kind of a long-term plan, but they're still very willing to kind of just throw stuff at walls and seize what sticks. Me and my wife recently watched all of the Marvel movies, and you think of them all being interconnected and interwoven and stuff, but they're really not. Like, the the first phase of Marvel, leading up to the Avengers, they were all self-contained. Yeah. I mean, you know. The only time you'd see someone else was in the post credit scene. They were in the post credit scene. Iron Man 2, you know, tried to be real interconnected, and people didn't like it very much. Like, it didn't review very well. Yeah. And the public reception was like, ugh, this is just clearly setting up for this Avengers movie. It's still said to be, like, one of the worst. Like, it's at the bottom of everyone's list. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I like like that movie more than most, but it's still, it's never going to be, you know, your top ten Marvel movies. And all the rest of them, yeah, Captain America kind of led into Avengers because the Tesseract existed, but Mm. it was all self-contained movies. And now, at this point... Disney has made four movies. Am I right about that? Or they made three? Disney Star, Star Wars? Wars? Yeah, they made yeah, four. four. Okay. They made four movies. That's kind of about your pre-Avengers thing. Once episode nine happens, it will be very interesting to see what the plan is going forward. Yeah. Because, but I still feel like the fact that they've announced two separate trilogies... <laughs> as films being worked on and multiple television projects separate from the animated films is pretty like pie in the sky planning like it's just the most hubris possible you know you said pie in the sky actually um i was thinking before how what this reminded me of when all of this first started it it seems like um there you go the, when they called them anthology movies at the beginning, they were like, yeah, this doesn't connect that much. It doesn't really matter that much. It seems like when Lucasfilm was first bought by Disney, like when you had the, the new guard in, it seemed kind of like all these announcements where someone buying a new house and they go in and they say, I'm going to do this to the kitchen and this to the patio <laughs> and this to the bedroom. And then like two years later, there's just a pile of books in your room. You haven't put on a bookshelf yet, and you're still like halfway into your kitchen project, and the patio is where you store your treadmill you don't use. Yep. And so I, I get that vibe with 
like Star Wars is a better version of that, but it seems like the the strategy is kind of what you're saying, where they're like, yeah, we want to do all this different stuff, and it's almost I don't want to call it like appeasement for like the shareholders and the fans and the like, but it does kind of seem like they really want to get you to look at the future with great optimism, and then what you end up with sometimes isn't exactly as ambitious as you thought it might be in the first place. What what Ka- what John Kazan said is Kathleen Kennedy has had meetings with every notable or interesting director you can possibly think of. For like, if you can name a director, she's had a meeting with them. And it's just to gauge interest. She's like, they're like, what she wants to see is a director who is interesting, competent, and who has an exciting idea for Star Wars. And if they do, then she'll give them a project to work (laughs) on. And that's kind of her strategy. Like, if she hears them say something, she's like, that does sound cool. Do that. That's kind of her strategy, which is interesting to me. I'm but okay it's also like, all right, fine. I mean, how is that different from the expanded universe where you had five different series of novels happening at the same time? It's just with the I bigger mean, budget now. For the bigger budget and their yeah. their films instead of books, but also still books are happening. Yes, mm-hmm. and that's another. Th- the books almost seem more regulated than the books are actually pretty interconnected. Yeah, like, there's a nice well, yeah, because there's like a cap on how much you can do. Like the movies is where you can do whatever the heck you want. Yeah, but the book can't spoil the movie that's about to come out because right. the movie's always going to be at the top of the totem pole. Yep. But yeah, like we were once again with like it's it, it always comes back to Marvel and Star Wars, and that's it's kind of interesting to see how much Star Wars borrows from Marvel. Because I don't know, it's, there, there's always that uneasiness. I feel like either a straw man I've made up in my head, or I feel like I've seen this in real life, where people are nervous about how much Star Wars is going to take from Marvel, because there is kind of this reverence for Star Wars being its own thing, and what it should be, and the fact that it is something different now, because for a while there we thought it was going to be three movies, and then it turned out to be six movies, and we thought, okay, that's a nice little package. But now it's clear that as far as on-screen content goes, this is, there is no sign that this train is ever going to stop. There's always going to be at least like six movies and two TV shows in pre-production until the day we die. So, yeah, it's, it's really weird. And, you know, it, it, it's not like the Marvel plan at all, where like Marvel, what releases, these are the six films that we have in the pipeline. Like we, we're working on these things and this, this is going to lead to the next Avengers movie. And so you understand that there's going to be some kind of, maybe some connection between them, but it'll all culminate in this team-up movie. But that's not what Star Wars is doing. It's all, like, separate projects, and there's seemingly no obligation for Jon Favreau and the Game of Thrones people and Ryan Johnson to intertwine any of their stuff. So it feels like the only people who are going to do that is people who kind of want to do that. Which is probably your folks like Dave Filoni, who's like, he just wants his stuff to connect to all of Star Wars, and that's yeah. what excites him. So if it happens to be that John Favreau saw some Clone Wars episodes and was like, hey, I want to soak in my movie, uh, maybe she'll show up, I guess. Yeah. But there's nothing preventing people from intertwining and crossing over, but there also doesn't seem to be anything obligating them to do so. Which is both exciting and kind of like, what are you, what are you doing exactly? Was there, maybe I'm just making it up in my head, but it always seemed like when I would look at legend stuff, like as far back as I can think, because I would, you would see like the, the little quick paragraph synapses of all the books in the back of all the legends books sometimes. Synapses. 
And you'd see, like, this is three years after Return of the Jedi. Five, seven, ten, eleven. And it was almost like they were telling a story of post-Return of the Jedi. It seems like, to a certain point, Legends was telling the post-Return of the Jedi story. And every now and then, filling in some holes. Am I kind of right uh, about that? or I'd s- Once the prequels came out, I think it was more disparate. Yeah. But from Heir of the Empire until Phantom Menace came out, what was it? You know, that's a good question. I'm not sure. That well, sounds, I would that say that you're right. I'd say you're right because yeah. it was a big deal when Shadow of the Empire came out and they were finally able yeah, to fill this true. gap that between was, Empire and Jedi. That was a complete abnormality. Mm-hmm. So I think you're yeah. right about that. Yeah, because it, 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 it was always, a continuing storyline. Yeah, because that last book series that was being written when the Disney sale happened, it did seem as though... The strategy was we're just going to keep going forward in time. We're going to continue the story. And mm-hmm. now we've got Ben Skywalker. And eventually, I'm sure the strategy would have been like Ben Skywalker's kids. You just would have continued that line forever and ever. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Jake's right. It did change slightly after the prequels where you would you would get more different stories. You get but the then, but then you the get the new Jedi Order that started around that time, which did the same thing, which mm-hmm. continued for 12 books or 20 books, however many it was. And there's also the difference now, we've talked about it before, but it's it's just the, the different feel of George only cared about, I think, the stories that he cared about, and he told those stories in the movies and like Clone Wars and stuff, and the books were fine. Like, there was stuff he wouldn't let you do, mm-hmm. but for the most part, he let them play in the sandbox. Yeah, he but didn't now, really, like, read the books yeah but now everything is under the same umbrella and it's all kind of treated with the same like reverence or whatever i don't know it's just bigger now yeah i think kathleen you know what i i know i've said it before but kathleen kennedy is the new george lucas she's a new president of lucasfilm she oversees every new project she plays things close to the chest uh which is what john kazan said and she just wants to hear ideas that interest her and, and stimulate her imagination. So I think in that sense, she only cares about the project that she cares about. And if something sounds uh, entertaining and interesting and probably financially viable, I'm sure she's like, yeah, do that. But she clearly has a vision in her head. Otherwise, Lord and Miller wouldn't have been fired on Solo. Like if she didn't disagree with their vision for the film, probably Ron Howard wouldn't have come in. And if she thought that Gareth Edwards was doing a bang-up job, she probably wouldn't have brought in old What's-His-Face Guru, who is the greatest writer in the world. So I think that she is very much the I'll-know-it-when-I-see-it style of... Where have I heard that before? Yeah, hard to say. (laughs) From bits we cut out. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) From off-mic. So I I think that she kind of knows it when she'll see it as far as Star Wars. Like, yep, this is the kind of thing that we want to be doing. But I just, I wonder so much... They hearing Lawrence and John talk about Solo and where would be an interesting place to leave Kira as a character. They clearly were interested in setting up for a sequel, but there weren't plans for a sequel necessarily. Mm-hmm. So what's the? I don't know. I have a hard time believing that Boba Fett movie won't in any way connect with Solo. I'm sure. Yeah. yeah what's the story? Is the story group literally just there to service? the creators and help them to canonize always, their stuff or are they actually determining a larger overarching narrative anybody <laughs> i always got always got the vibe that their job was for if someone made a story that took place after return of the jedi 
and one of the story creators was like, I want to put Admiral Piet in this. And Pablo would be like, no, no, he's dead. That's always what I thought the story group was there for. They were like yeah. there to kind of nudge you along. But if it was the right just that, why would it be so secretive? I will always remember a clip from um, Rebels Recon, which they did every week after Rebels. Yep. The YouTube channel would do a Rebels Recon with Andy Gutierrez. Great and band. she would um, interview different people who worked on Rebels about that episode. And I just remember there was one when I it might have been when the show ended. I just remember Pablo talking about how far into the future or like how long ago they knew about things in Rebels that dealt with things like Rogue One. Yeah. Like they planned Saul Guerrero stuff in Rebels before Rogue One started filming. Like all this stuff is so interconnected. So while I think the story group is there to say Piet is dead at this point. I think they're also kind of in charge of where all of Star Wars... I just got the impression from Pablo that this story group might have more power than we think as to what Star Wars stories are told. I remember a very specific instance of the Darth Vader comic hinting at something that happened with the Geonosians in <laughs> Rebels. And right. Like, yeah, we planned this for like a year. And, you know, when Jyn Erso talks about... Pro, like hyperspace tracking and that was something that was going to be in the last jedi and yeah you just I, I it sounds to me like there are internal projects that are like totally made by their internal people which sounds to me like rogue one which came from john oh, i can't remember what's his face who yeah. works inside lucasfilm it was his pitch to kathleen kennedy rogue one Rebels, Solo, Resistance, probably this new Boba Fett movie. All that stuff is like, we as Lucasfilm are making this movie. And then it sounds like maybe Ryan Johnson, Jon Favreau, Game of Thrones people who don't deserve names, in my opinion. I just don't know them. (laughs) They are like, hey, we'll trust these creators to do cool stuff. That's what it sounds like to me. Which is kind of like how... we'll we'll find connections where we can. Yeah. But... and, and that, that that follows with what Marvel does, where they've mm-hmm. got their films, but they also have like their Netflix shows is its own thing, and their yeah. and their network shows are their own thing, and mm-hmm. obviously the comics are their own thing. So yeah, yeah. What? So with Resistance, um, Filoni is obviously working on that. How would you guys feel about Favreau continuing the Rebel storyline in a live action Sabine and Ahsoka? going after Ezra. I totally don't see that happening. I don't all. either. I don't think uh, Filoni will give up Ahsoka. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's what's going to happen. But, but something has to happen there eventually. What, are we going to have to wait for Resistance to be over? Yes. Think? First of all, I think yes. Mm. I think that Filoni, that's Same. his baby. And, and the the fact that Rebels so clearly ends with a the adventure will continue kind of yeah. note seems to me like how would you feel he about a live exactly. action Ahsoka? I want it. I want it to happen. Because you could totally get the actress for Sabine, Tia Sakar. So you could get Tia Sakar. You, you could get Taylor Gray. I don't. I've never seen him in live action, but he looks exactly like Ezra. Oh my god! And he's old enough now that he would look like an Ezra. Yes. Twenty or What's five years the, in the future, or whatever. Uh, lady who plays um, Hera. Hera. She looks yeah, exactly, she looks like, exactly a character. like Hera. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Put some, you know, little. Twigs on her they head. They already have a real life chopper. <laughs> twigs, twigs, twigs on her head. 
Twiglets. They already have a real life chopper. Yeah, they already have real life chopper. So if that happened, I would be thrilled. That would be amazing. It seems more like a one off episode that would, yeah, like people would be into. I don't know. That would necessarily. I just want to know what that much. I just care so much about Ezra. I want to know what happened to Ezra. It see it seems to me that Filoni is absolutely planning on just yeah doing this in his show. But also, we don't get to know what happens to Thrawn, and people care way more about Thrawn than they do about Ezra. Most people. He has said that there's a plan for that. Yeah, he's got a story, and I'm sure that there absolutely is a story. Um, I I think what's cool is now. If some creator wants to have a Rebels character in their movie or live-action show, they can do that. They can be like, let's get this person in our show. Like, Saw Gerrera was a cartoon, but now he's in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't sound like you're necessarily beholden to that if they don't want to be. Do you guys want a Star Wars story that has minimal to none references to other things i've I've heard that a lot where when people talk about i want a new story i don't exactly know what they're talking about i don't even know if they know what they're talking about and to me a new story in the star wars universe is what if we did go to a planet we've never heard of with a species we never heard of with characters that we've never heard of and no references to any other part of star wars outside of like someone says either remember the empire or the empire sucks like outside of those very small Details. Well, Do you want something that's not connected in any way whatsoever, start to finish? You're describing exactly what Ryan Johnson said he's doing, where, which he says that his meeting with Kathy was like, I want to figure out what Star Wars is if you strip away the iconography that we already know. What What is a Star Wars movie if you take out the things that we know to be Star Wars things? Guardians of the Galaxy, that's and, what it is. Yeah, <laughs> kind of. Thor Ragnarok. Uh, like yeah i mean so maybe he'll just be making a new thor movie that's what i worry about sometimes like i I hear the that that kind of talk and i'm like well that honestly to to be honest maybe i'm the bumpkin again but i that's kind of what i like about star wars is that it's everyone is kind of six degrees of kevin bacon away from each other i don't hate that to be honest i really love that the empire was not the bad guy in solo and I also yeah. really love that the Empire was in Solo. Like, yeah. I didn't want yeah. him to be fighting against the Empire, but I'm really glad that he was recruited by the Empire and mm-hmm. we got to see Stormtroopers. Like, because then it's it's a Star Wars movie, mm-hmm. but I don't always need the Empire to be the bad guys. But also with, with Solo, though, it's also kind of... It was always of the kind of simplistic, serialized, like, you know, where the lines are drawn. In Star Wars, you had the good guys, you had the bad guys, but then you had the bounty hunters... Because anytime like you're playing any sort of like game or whatever, like you want to be a, class, a yeah. rebel, an empire, or a bounty hunter, those yeah. are the only three jobs in the galaxy. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, I I guess I I guess I would be okay with something. I feel like there's always one connected tissue for every Star Wars thing, and it's going to be the Force. And yes. I feel like even in Ryan Johnson's universe, there's going to be the Force in some form. There might not be Jedi, but there will be the Force because it's just. Agree. It's just I mean, kind of always going to be there, but I would kind of be happy with other connections too. Maybe someone, maybe like, I think what would be cool is to show, um, like the fish out of water story. Take someone from the larger galaxy, send them to the unknown regions where Ryan Johnson's story is going to be, and have most of the stuff there be unfamiliar, but maybe have someone who grew up on 
uh, Tatooine or Corellia or Naboo yeah. be the point of view character. It's funny, my my dream like Star Wars story, like if I was gonna write fan fiction, would be a story that like starts out at a new planet with new characters, new comic never heard of, but then they end up running into like Ahsoka, who's yeah, this wizened old Jedi at this point. That's mm-hmm. why I love the end of Rebels so much. It's like, oh, it's the wizened old Ahsoka that I always <laughs> wanted to see. Like, I think that you need that. You do need some kind of connection to what we know. For it to still be Star Wars. For it to still be Star Wars. But I'm also very into the idea of Ryan Johnson making a movie that's like, we don't need lightsaber fights and an X-Wing attack on some kind of space station for this to be a Star Wars movie. That's that's interesting. I'm conflicted because I I don't need my movie to have a Skywalker, but I want my movie to be Star Wars. Like, I don't don't need... Eternal conflict. I'm fine with new characters, but they need to feel like they're characters in a Star Wars movie. Yeah, because that's... I always thought about, like, because Knights of the Old Republic is so far removed from anything we know about Star Wars, but it has Jedi, Sith, and lightsabers. Yeah. And so there's... there's that's why I think when you get to Star Wars, there are things that you need to ground you. And I think that's where it's different from, like, a Marvel, where, I don't know, just you can tell these origin stories, and them having a superpower is really all you need to know to connect everything else to make and it feel And we know like that Marvel. there's no such thing as Marvel humor, so that's not what connects them. <laughs> but um, Marvel's so grounded in our real lives, too. Like, you can say, obviously everyone knows about Spider-Man, but you can say, here's a kid in high school from Queens. Yes, and we, it takes place and in we, countries that we know and cities that we know. We already know about Peter Parker because he's a high school student from New York. Yes. So that automatically puts things in our brains. Mm-hmm. If you say, here's a Flarfenugan from Diplar, like that, yeah. <laughs> you have to explain a lot more in Star mm-hmm. Wars if you're not using that classic iconography. Yeah. And that's also what I'm thinking to, like, from what we talked about earlier, where when you try to create magic, that's sometimes where you get into, like, run into issues. I worry that they would try to, like, recreate A New Hope, because I, I hear the rebuttal sometimes of, like, well, I mean, no one knew about A New Hope either in 1977. Like, yeah, because magic happened. Like, it was the right place, <laughs> yeah. right time, right circumstances. Yeah. Like, the, the success of Star Wars going forward from there was you, your famil- familiarization with those characters, the familiarization with that world, and everything is kind of offshot from that. And so I don't feel like there's n- not necessarily anything that you need to recreate, because Star Wars has endured for 40 years and is as popular or more popular than it was when it first came out. So it's not going to get stale for people as long as you keep shaking it up just a little bit. I don't think you need to drastically change anything necessarily. It, it, it's kind of like what you hear. And I, I know that I've said this about The Phantom Menace. Like if this would have come out in 1977, it would have been a huge deal. And it's like, yeah, but it, <laughs> it didn't. And that's why it's not as big of a deal. Yeah. I mean, it was. I mean, it was a, like super hyped up and made a ton of money when it came out. But. Yeah, you have knowledge of what Star Wars is now, so you can never not have expectations of what Star Wars is. Mm-hmm. You you can pretend that A New Hope doesn't exist, and that's that makes me think of of Man of Steel, which I I've I watched a lot of like behind the scenes stuff, and they're all like, you have to pretend that Superman, like that we've never seen Superman on screen before, and they say that, but that doesn't work. You just you can't because yeah. like of course, what was the main complaint? This doesn't feel, he doesn't like feel like Superman. Superman. Yeah. And they're like, well, we were trying to make like a new take on Superman. And people were like, nah, we don't, we we don't, don't want, want that. that. <laughs> we like, we like yeah. Superman we know. And that's There's a reason Superman was popular right, in the first exactly. place. And, you know, we, and we have 80 years of Superman now. So, yeah. yes, there's a lot of different incarnations of it. But 
that means that every new Superman take that comes out in the comics or movies is going to be weighed against what we already know. And as much as you want to be like, I want to take this in bold new directions, that's okay. But people are going to have a lot of opinions yeah. because people will have grown up with different versions of Superman and have in their own heads what it should be like. And Star Wars is like that now. Like It's now in the same position that classic comics are in, where everybody knows who Batman and Superman and Spider-Man are. Everybody knows who Mickey Mouse is and everybody knows who what Dark Star Matter Wars is. is. Yeah. And so you can never escape that iconography and expectation, I don't think. Have you watched Lindsay Ellis's video on the First Order, the yes. ideology of the First Order? That's a good video, too. It's a really good video. Once again, I've plugging I've plugged her Lindsay for like Ellis's. a billion times in a row, but yeah. I love Lindsay Ellis. It's really, really good. Yeah. Yeah, that was... We've talked about it on this show, which was just like the... In my opinion, like the lack of a clear delineation between what the first order is in relation to the resistance and how that relates to the new republic that that wasn't a very clear yeah thing that it's not as evocative as empire versus rebels or republic versus what do they call them separatists separatists you know like yeah you understand what the dynamic is we're in the force awakens you're like wait a minute so there are these bad guys and there are these people who are against it, but that's different from the main government. And what is the main government again? Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the issue. Yeah. The video is all about her um, figuring out how you have a fascist um, group of people that you can still sell on cups and hats. Like, you take this fascist ideology, which are like, which is terrible, but you can't really get too deep into what they actually believe because you still need to sell stormtrooper plushes you know you know like so star wars is never and as long as they want to sell first order merchandise they're never going to be able to delve too deeply into how terrible the first order is it really That's is super interesting this is i'm honestly like i've been thinking star wars today guys i was thinking coming here today <laughs> no <again>. way <laughs> just like i was thinking about the star wars things that i own especially the the hats like, I, I own two Star Wars hats. One has the Empire symbol on it, and one has Darth Vader on it. And I think about the Star Wars shirts that I own, and there's not a terrible rhyme or reason to it. But a lot of them have either Empire or, like, I'm wearing a Boba Fett shirt right now, like yeah, a notorious bad, bad guy. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a funny thing how you really shouldn't think too much about that. Because I think about when I wear my Empire hat sometimes, like, you know, if you're really dug deep in the Empire, like, what I'm wearing on my head actually isn't yeah. too hot. I've, I've I, have actually... a res I have a First Order shirt. I've made the conscious decision, this is going to sound pretentious, but I've made the decision in the last only, like, two years that I I don't buy Imperial stuff anymore. Yeah. And I'm, it's not a judgment on people who do. Obviously, the it, it's all fake. Yes. And anyone who identifies with the Empire and thinks they're right, that's on them, not on Star Wars. Yes. Um, But I've just, for me personally, I've just made the choice that I, I don't buy Imperial or First Order stuff anymore. And that's, I don't know, that's just, that's just me. Yeah, of course, but, like, we our entire brand is based around, like, one of the worst humans in the galaxy when he was alive, so. Darth that's Vader. That's talk, talking. Grand Moff. Grand, Grand Moff Tar talking himself. Oh, yes, Grand yes, Moff that's talking. that's true, yeah. The Actually, can we, I would have been talking, can we change that to Grand Moff Holdo? I don't know. <laughs> what? Yes, Holdo Grand the phone, it's Holdovers. Grand Moff talking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Holdovers. Holdovers. Um, I don't know. I yeah. don't know either. Anyway, yeah. So it's it's interesting because I've also I've said it before. I I at one point I wanted a game where you play as someone in the Empire, and now I don't really want that game anymore. Yeah, it's kind of like ah, we don't need that. Yeah. Right yeah now. Also, we we talked about it before, but you're right though. Like reading Inferno Squad, it was such a fun read, but there was always like this sense of uneasiness while reading it. Yeah, Just like, like sharing. Why are we trying to relate to the Empire so yeah, much? Sharing yeah, right? a space with yeah. the villains in any story is always an uneasy feeling. Especially when those villains are so clearly d- modeled after real life monsters. Like the Empire and First Order is just it. They always their visuals have always been taken straight from the fascists in the forties with the with Italy and and the Nazis, and it's just like, yeah, it's awkward. It's going to be interesting because you know, growing up in the nineties. 90s kids. 90s, kids. 90s kids glow worms and figure it <laughs> oh, out don't remind me um she's all that d- <laughs> that's early 2000s um <laughs> but me. all that that was kids. 90s yeah <laughs> clarissa figures it out 90s kids i like the when you're a kid and you see the iconography of like the uh, rebels versus empire you're not you don't have any kind of real world parallel to that yeah and uh it will be interesting to see what twenty years from now people watch the sequel trilogy. What are they thinking? Because now, I remember when the when the Force Awakens first came out, it was like, "What is this First Order? Like, what is?" It? And then, like the next year, Trump wins the election and the alt right rises, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, I I understand what the first I understand what the First Order is very much, and it makes a ton of sense." Yeah, and an organization led by man babies who are not grown up enough right. to be in charge of anything <laughs> yeah exactly and so now we have this context where like this actually really relates to our times but on an objective story standpoint it doesn't it's not entirely clear based on the previous star wars movies so it's kind of once we i guess hopefully get past this uh in 20 years like what are we, we've talked about this before like it's not at all unclear who the good guys and bad guys are no. in star wars but Will people be like, wait, what's the relation to this? Or will it still have some kind of resonance? I, I don't know. Yeah, I think we talked about it before, just how... Star- we're getting to that point in our show where we're Star- always we're repeating, repeating ourselves. <laughs> yeah, but... Every sentence begins with, I think we talked about this before. <laughs> but yeah, Star Wars always does... It's always going to be a, a serial thing for kids. And it's always going to rely on just you knowing that the guy in darker colors is the bad guy. When he wants to yeah. kill somebody for no apparent reason, and the the good guy's wearing like a tan jacket, and he's trying to save the day. I mean, we we can inherently as humans, we know who good people and bad people are. I almost hope though that like the bad guys in Ryan Johnson's new thing or the TV show or whatever don't borrow so much from real life fascists, and we kind of go there. Are, there are plenty of bad guys out there, I guess, that you could choose from. And while I think it's it's good to remember through um popular culture that some things are bad um like i i kind of just want something i want the next bad guys to not be that again yeah, yeah. well as long and that's kind of what ryan johnson is good at is kind of communicating things subtly and that's i think it's 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 more of a for expediences sake showing us like yeah you these bad guys you know right like look yeah. at them look at them and then yeah. so if you could like kind of spend some more time almost kind of not necessarily like too deep in solo but again like all the double crossing whatever it kind of takes you to the end you have to watch the movie 
to see for yourself because it doesn't, like, look, looking at the page right there, you can't necessarily tell who the good guys and the bad guys are from the front of the visual guide. You have to watch the movie to see how people's actions play out and yeah. where their allegiances lie. I like the idea of exploring bad guys and where they, how they got where they are. I just don't want to do it with the First Order because they're yeah. too real life. Like, I don't, I don't want to see their, their point of view, but I do like seeing bad guys' points well, of view. And also, brainwashing is one of, like, my least favorite story devices yeah. to explain how someone got bad. It's kind of like cheating, almost. Yeah. Like, it's like it's programming yes. a computer. Yeah, it like, is. Like, what, there's really no fun in that, because that's kind of what the stormtroopers, at least in the First Order, are. Like, it was, they went through a, like, brain conditioning process to get where they were. Except they're still, like, pretty cool funny guys yeah he's they just get out, kind of normally well adjusted friends yeah except for the all, the one, only ones we've we've been allowed to listen to speak yeah who are finn and tom hardy and daniel craig and daniel, daniel craig, craig. <laughs> <laughs> and the two stormtroopers are like hold on now buddy kylo ren's throwing a temper tantrum let's walk this way <laughs> and one girl actually two girls i think in force a awakens pizza place? two girls in a pizza place can i tell you it's weird and I, maybe i Maybe I'm probably almost certainly ignorant of this, but it's weird to me when we celebrate seeing women in the First Order and Empire. Like people celebrating Iden Versio as some progressive step forward or Ray Sloan. And it's like, you know, I think it's great that we got three dimensional characters who were women. But should we be celebrating the fact that they had to be Nazis? I think we've talked about like, this before. Isn't it, it got great? Cut out. Isn't it great? Yeah, this feels like a cutter outer. <laughs> no, no, but I understand what you're saying. It, I just feel like somebody maybe can write in and show me why I'm wrong. We but, are ignorant about this, and yeah. my thoughts are maybe the situation is so bad with representation that Literally they're just happy any representation that any good. representation is good representation. Yeah, and and while I'm sure. Like, yeah, I, I that's that's my guess. I don't know because I'm a big dumb idiot. But <laughs> like it's also kind of interesting because in the first order there there was always this unspoken thing in, in the original Star Wars where the all the Empire were just like white men and so you kind of understood inherently this is a racist, sexist It's never said in, in Empire the, in the movies that they know nope, likes But just through visual shorthand you yeah. understand what kind of people they are. But the fact that the First Order is this, like, diverse organization that has people of color and all nationalities and genders in it makes you kind yeah. of think, like, what What are they trying to... Like, that lack of visual shorthand is there, I guess. I thought of something dumb I wanted to say earlier. And yeah, I sure. I can't wait to have a kid 10 years from now and show him that promo picture of the Dark Universe with, like, Johnny Depp and Russell Crowe and all those people. Right? And try and explain, like, that's going to be such a mystery in 20 years, 10, 20 what years from now. What was the Dark Universe? Was... Oh, was that, like, the Dark Shadows? Like, like, the, yeah, like the, mummy. the Mummy. They were going to do a Mummy oh, and a Frankenstein yeah, yeah. movie. Frankenstein. Like, they were going to do a Marvel Cinematic Universe they were gonna take with old monsters. The guys, but the, the original Cinematic Universe, the old Universal Monster movies were a Cinematic Universe. Everyone forgets so they really yeah. were first. Yeah. No. It's so, because they weren't. But yeah, that was, like, yeah, funny. Were, we are, like, only, what, a year or two removed from, like, every single studio announcing their own cinematic universe. Pretty much. And it's already, like, remember when they tried to make a Spider-Man universe? And it was like, <laughs> that just happened. That happened a year before they made Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, I remember talking to my friend, like, about a Sinister Six movie that was going to be coming. He's like, oh, yeah, they're yeah. going to do all this stuff in yeah, Spider-Man. I remember that. Probably still going to happen, by the way. Because they're making... That Venom movie... They're going to make it. Looks <laughs> so bad! 
sad. It looks so lonely, is what I'm thinking. Like it, he has no friends to play with anymore. It looks like a it looks like a straight up 2004 superhero movie. It, does, it looks like Catwoman. Yeah, I am so bummed. Like Spider Man's my favorite superhero, and I've always wanted to see them do the Venom story right. And then they release this Venom movie, and I'm like, yeah, and it's never gonna happen. But now. to me, my hope is that Kevin Feige saw that trailer and was like. Fine. Okay, we can we can still do Venom in our universe. It's okay. They they're messing it up. So we can just still do it. Also, what voice is Tom Hardy using in that? He movie? has to use some voice. He you know he he took a <laughs> the Hollywood Hambo guys have this joke that uh, Joaquin Phoenix uses a special hoagie that he <laughs> takes a big bite out of before he acts because he always kind of talks like this in movies. And so I like to think that uh, Tom Hardy took a bite out of Joaquin Phoenix's hoagie because <laughs> yeah. he is he's like talking like this. In God, the movie. He's so What's hard to understand one? in that movie. He it's like the Bane. It's like voice. the Bane trailer all over again. I can't <laughs> yes, understand him. He is the same way in every movie he's ever been in. He's Inception. He still has a crazy under- hard to understand accent. Yeah, and then in. What's it called? Dunkirk. He has mo- his He's got entire face covered time, by a leather yeah. mask. Yeah. <laughs> he just can't be a normal, easy to understand man. Nope. He's complicated. He's a complicated character. It. How far away from me? What? About two feet. I'm going to start over again. I'm right here. How far <laughs> away be. are we? I'm still her. From. <laughs> 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 A mashup of the two best walking things. Um, <laughs> how far away are we from cinematic universes being this hilarious pop culture footnote? It feels like solo know. wavering is the start, and Justice League totally flopping, and that mummy movie totally flopping are the start of people being like hey maybe we should just make movies yeah i think marvel will always be exempt they can do their own like they've earned it at this point i think i think we're getting close to the point where people are going to realize they shouldn't do cinematic universes because they're not marvel like dc because they have the most famous superheroes in the world can always like if they want to have batman show up in a superman movie everyone's gonna be like hey but it's and it doesn't matter because everyone knows who they are but i feel like DC's just going to keep trying. And they're going to keep, keep trying. It's going to mm-hmm. fail. And they, eventually... They've announced a Suicide Squad too, right? That's the most amazing. I mean, yeah, they announced so it. It's like as soon as they announced the first one. But now they've got like a new writer on board and they're like moving forward with it right yeah, now. Yeah, that one's actually happening. I, and they're I, doing a Joker movie. So it's just like, I come on. I feel pretty confident that that is never going to happen. It's not going to happen, but they're going to keep trying. But they're going to keep trying. I mean... I need to pee really bad. Yeah, yeah. Go pee. I'm excited for Shazam. That looks like a good old time. Zachary Levi. Yeah, it's fun. It's like this is any walk of life. I know they talk about it in, in sports too, where they always talk about every league is like a copycat league where one team does something really good and everyone tries to copy that formula. Like the Patriots win a lot, and so every team dives into like their formula and how they run their organization. And they say like the Warriors winning all these championships in basketball, and so every team tries to emulate how they play basketball. And is so- DC the was it the system? The process? The process. <laughs> is DC the process where they keep on making the worst decisions possible, but eventually it's going to work out for them and they're going to make the greatest movie ever made? Um, not That's not the best analogy, but I, I, I just like you in movies, I reward the intent, not the execution. <laughs> <laughs> I was just 12. But yeah, I, I think it's, it's funny because it's okay, I think, to say that one person or entity is really good at something and we can let them be good at that and try our own thing but it's i feel like it's so hard which is so funny like in all of these big money arenas 
that the egos flying wouldn't necessitate like less copycatting than it does because it does like it's everywhere like whenever one formula works okay we're just gonna do that then like it's so funny like uh me and christina are watching Mad Men, and it just reminded me that there was this phase of time where every television network that existed was trying to have their own Mad Men. they were trying to have their own uh prestige drama set during a certain time period usually the 60s remember pan am on abc pan am <laughs> there was the british version of it which i heard was kind of good i can't quite remember what it was about but blimey exactly. gents <laughs> yes it was it was called crumpets and happy christmas it was it was just <laughs> yeah like and when breaking bad got really popular everyone was like Ooh, okay we need to have some kind of like hardcore dark protagonist kind of show that's meanderingly paced and mm-hmm. you know about this uh uh what do you call it like anti-hero yeah oh boy by the way, the slogan of Venom is embrace your inner antihero. Ah, that's, that's not good. That's man. one of the worst slogans I've ever heard. The, man, that, that is the nose. It's not on the if, nose. It if, literally is a nose. If J. Jonah Jameson existed in the Venom universe, he would say, nope, that's, that's a bad headline. Yeah, it's... It, you're right, though. It does happen. Every, everything gets ripped off. I wouldn't mind having... If, if there's something that I hope Star Wars gets ripped off for, it's bringing back more orchestral scores mm-hmm. like if, if a john williams style starts to come back more into fashion that would be yeah. really nice I'd be into which that. it might have because infinity war felt like it had that kind of score to me although i think it's the same guy who direct who did the avenger score did it. i'm very tired of drums <laughs> like so many scores these days all the action scenes are just like big like hans zimmer is kind of like the uh i love he can be so great he's a genius but he, he accidentally so inspired the most yeah insipid generation of like movie That's scores where thing. like everybody wants to be him and he knows how to do what he does really really well yeah and all the scores are always very good but when people try to do hans zimmer Everyone's like, you know, he used those loud drums and like droning sounds. Let's do that. Yeah. But if you actually listen to his scores, they're they're There's pretty a melodic. There's a lot more going on. They're... But back to what we we're just quick on what we were talking about earlier. That's uh, I think that's where people get nervous about Star Wars because in a lot of people's heads, I don't know, you, you kind of attach your own self worth to Star Wars sometimes. We talked about the dangers of that, but also the fact that I think people always want to see Star Wars as kind of like the leaders in terms of how storytelling should be. Like, how special effects should progress and how storytelling should be. And I think people see, especially with a movie like Solo, the kind of... Mar- There's always the term, marvelization. People were terrified of Marvel humor interjecting Star Wars. And I-, I think people just don't want to see Star Wars become a follower and that Marvel is, like, the unquestioned leader of how yeah. we're going to tell genre story. I think and- you're right. I think that's what people are irritated by, is the fact that Marvel is in first place as if it's a competition. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing that made Star Wars famous was, you know, it was really well made, but it was a single filmmaker with a really unique vision for a trilogy that had a specific voice and tone to it. And it's never going to be that anymore. That like, borrowed heavily from previous things. Exactly. And like it was the whole it listen, was heavily iterative and influenced. Listening by, to the soundtrack show, like all of John Williams, the score that they wanted for that yep. 
was just borrowing from 30 years earlier in the yep. film industry. Yep. And, you know, his directorial style was very influenced by Kurosawa and all these guys that he really liked. Yeah. And it's funny, like, I, I, I thought about that, too. And I think what kind of makes people feel better about that, though, is that I think if Star Wars was... If, if these modern movies were exclusively influencing things that were happening, like, 30 years ago or weren't maybe as well in the public consciousness... Like, George borrowed from old movies. Like, he was even bar- borrowing from, like, the the silent movies and stuff like that. And I don't know if Kurosawa was ever necessarily a big deal in America. Was he? Yeah, or, he was the biggest thing in the entire world. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, so that's... Filmmakers like, he was. Yeah, not necessarily, like, your, your mom and your uncle and your cousin right. know about Kurosawa. Right. But I think people can see a lot of, like, contemporary influence in these modern Star Wars movies. And so when you see... Like a, a, a super current style of humor or effects or storytelling, editing, anything like that. I, I it's that that's kind of I think sometimes what lends to that Star Wars feeling is that it feels otherworldly because it is referencing things, but it's re- referencing things you may not necessarily know about or may not immediately catch on to unless you dig you dig a little deeper. And the Last Jedi kind of did that with like all of like the the Rashomon stuff. I mean, that's something that not everyone knows about or would catch on to. That's why that movie felt like such a real film is because it drew on it actual films that Ryan Johnson loved and, and was inspired by. You know, like if you ask Kevin Feige what inspired the Mar- like his film for Marvel, it was Star Wars. Like he loves Star Wars and he includes little nods to Star Wars in all of his movies. The problem that can happen is if everybody is influenced by everybody else, then everything kind of sounds the same. That's yeah. why pop music all kind of sounds the same. It, and that's what movies are kind of in right now, is the the kinds of movies that are famous are... Or the highest-grossing movies are, like, pop music now. Where yeah. the highest-grossing movies used to be, like, the most artfully done. But that's not the case in any medium anymore. It's it's all There's also only like a few big studio movies a year. I mean, Ben Hur stayed around forever because like Ben Hur was created like with such care and like there there wasn't another like fu- like so bad because I thought you were talking about the terrible remake of Ben Hur they did and I was like, what? That movie <laughs> flopped. <laughs> yeah, like that or like Lawrence of Arabia, it was a big deal because it was like the deal. It was almost. I don't this know. This is the movie you can see for the rest of the year. Yeah, it's like the carnival. Yeah. There's only to, five that come out. The the big budget movies were like the carnival coming to town. Like everyone went because like it was the only. I know it was crazy. The only show like, in town. That's the saying people say. Sure, I like <laughs> watching Mad Men. It was so funny. Like that. Like Don Draper and Lane Price were looking at movies to go see, and Don Draper had already seen a movie twice. <laughs> And he's not the kind of guy that would today go into the movies twice. But it's like, well, that's what you would—that's what you would do. There yeah, was only a couple movies go. out, so you would see you're it. Never going to see that movie it. again. Yep. And t- once it's gone, right? Once it's gone, you're never going to see it again. You're never going to see it again. Better see it twice if you liked it. I—that's why I hope they keep. They—they they do better in the future with their director choices, and they get more Ryan Johnsons. Yes. Because he is someone who will borrow from elsewhere, and I think Colin Trevorrow was going to make a Star Wars movie. And yeah. make it feel like I want it to feel like Star Wars, but I also want it to be influenced by other things. Well, that was kind of the big criticism of The Force Awakens, or at least one of them, was like it felt so much like Star Wars because yeah. it was like the first Star Wars movie that was influenced by Star Wars. Which is what I think. I think maybe we needed to to restart the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think that was fine. Yeah, but I don't want Episode Nine to be that. I hope yeah. JJ does something differently, and I hope the Star Wars 
for stories going forward aren't exactly like that like we can get star wars is such a cool universe that you can you can slap any genre over this setting and it will work so i hope that's what they do don't just make action movies from now on make star wars movies and i'll be happy and with that and with that we're done i gotta say like once we actually got, I feel like once we started talking about Star Wars as an actual episode, we could put once out we got off Pitchfork, to... yeah, what... <laughs> this is gonna be a long one, but who cares? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Yeah, Maybe it could be a bonus episode or something. Why not? Why... Who are we kidding? Out. It's gonna be the main show. It's gonna be the main show. <laughs> you guys release some late every week. I did. Yeah. Oh, I was technically th- that's true. You okay. Said the intro. <laughs> yeah, I was sending it back to Isaac because I forgot I hosted. <laughs> uh, do not look at me. I refuse. All right. Uh, well, thanks for listening. This has been a different one. We you mi- made it through this one. Good on you. Good on you. I we started shaky, but I think we ended with a solid Star Wars discussion. Um, shout out to Jasmine. Everyone say hi to Jasmine. Hi. Hi, Jasmine. Okay, we got two. Hi. No she listened to this whole thing. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, maybe. So uh, we'll be back some other time with some other stuff. In the meantime, you can follow us at Grand Moff Talking on Twitter. You can send us an email, grandmofftalking at gmail.com. Uh, if you go to our Twitter, you can find the individual Twitters for everyone else on this show who Twitters. And then uh, Twitter at us. <laughs> and so I guess that's it. <laughs> this has been delicately curated. Long, oh, rate and review and subscribe. Yeah, yeah. We need some ratings so we can go to uh, We can convince Crappling Kennedy and Ruin Johnson to send us to Star Wars. Alright, that was great. <laughs> this has been delicately curated long-form discussion of the internationally beloved Star Wars saga tailored to the modern fanatic. Brought to you lovingly and weakly increments by the loquacious yet soothing voices of hosts Riley, Jake, uh. Isaac. Follow Wheel of Fortune answers on Twitter. It's dumb, but it's fun. I never have. Right now. Everybody, go follow. Follow the week. I mean, (laughs) first us. First us, then go follow Wheel of Fortune answers. Goodbye. Someday, Jasmine won't have to watch dogs, and Jake won't have to go be back married. home to his wife. Oh. And then we'll be I don't able to foresee do a time where podcasts. I never have to go back home to my wife. Maybe. You don't know. Well, maybe. That's true. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> I Can Dur It is our favorite can, quote around the household these days. I Can I Dur It. Say. Bye, Jasmine. Bye. Bye. Let's just talk about DJ the entire time. I just got an email from those old people about the NFL disrespecting the flag. Who this are is, these people? Oh, I see pictures of soldiers and stuff. Yeah, no, they got pictures of soldiers. Just talk about it on the show. This you is are show spoiled is. babies who stand around and have staff squirt Gatorade into your mouth, sit in front of misting cooling fans when it's warm, and sit on heated benches when it's cold. I want to know tough, who is writing this email. What I don't is it know about people? you that attracts I don't know. articles about NFL players there, kneeling and why they're a bunch of There snowflakes. has to be... A Riley Bowman somewhere in this world who has crazy grandparents oh. and is a pastor because like <laughs> well, there is that like, Montana like, oh, pastor right who's Riley Bowman yeah that's what I'm saying there's someone in Montana with my name oh that's right I think it's the same person because it's all kind of the same stuff that's kind of amazing yeah so apparently there's another Riley Bowman out there 
and I wish that he would get a new email. <laughs> <laughs> because something that's way different. There's a, another guy named Jacob Kreitz who flies American Airlines all the time because I get his flight information like every week. <laughs> I don't have like flight points, but I get... <laughs> it freaked me out one time. I get Amazon receipts so, sometimes. So I called for this, this airline because it was like, your itinerary for your departure tomorrow. And I was like, um, what? Because <laughs> I was like, what if there's like some terrorist using my information to book a flight? Yeah. And they're going to like, that, I'm going to be on the news tomorrow. <laughs> so I called the airlines and like, what's the problem? And I'm like, well, I get, I'm getting an email with another person's flight itinerary. And they're like, and what's, and did you not get yours? And I was like, no, 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 I'm not flying anywhere. <laughs> That has my name in a flight, but it doesn't, it's not my information. They're like, well, what do you want us to do about it? And it's like, I just don't know if there's like a terrorist attack that's happening. I'm just afraid for the world. I to use my name. That was honestly what I was afraid about. And then, no, but they didn't care, and it keeps happening. Yeah. So if nice you see my name on the news, hopefully it's not really me. It's nice being the only Isaac Rex Donner I know of. I've yeah, Googled that's my a, name. I'm definitely the only name. Jacob Kreitz I've ever heard of, but there's, apparently there's one more who flies all the yeah. time. We're going to... We're not going to be able to record for like three weeks at a time, or like three months at a time. Yeah, we we'll got out. a pretty solid stack up there. We, got we like, do what four or five episodes in the pipeline at this point. I think we got five, including this. It's not it's bad. Pretty good. It's not bad for us. Yeah, that's that's probably as good as it's ever been. That was that terrible stretch. I almost died during that stretch where we recorded one every week, and it had to come out that week. I did not that like was that. Bad. I the didn't show like was it. Bad. <laughs> and uh, nobody, we didn't like doing it, and no. I'm sure you didn't like editing it. Yeah, and the quality was not very good. I like building them up. Yeah, man, build it up. So you can tear it all build, down. Build me up, Isaac. The greatest feeling in the entire world is like being almost done with season two of Lost and still we're in the middle of season one releasing episodes. <laughs> that is, I have yeah, like a solid great. like 15 yeah. episodes built up or something crazy. That's nice.